Hey, this is Tommy Wiseau, and you listen Columbia KCOU 88.1 FM. Hopefully you have a groovy time. Everybody, what is happening? It is box to box on KCOU 88.1 FM. We're back finally. I know I've looked, taken a little bit of a hiatus these past couple weeks. My name is Jack Nolan. For those who've forgotten, because I've been uh, I've been lacking in the uploads a little bit. I've been getting some some stick in from you know the general KCOU community. I do three shows here on KCOU, and I've missed all three of them the last two weeks. I've been I've been world traveling, I won't lie. I went to um, Nashville a couple of weeks ago with a couple fellow KCOUers. Um, they joined me for that. Uh, we went to cover the Mizzou women's basketball tournament. Unfortunate outcome for the Missouri Tigers. Um, they lost their, their opening round game and did not make the NCAA tournament, which was very disappointing. Um, but, you know, that's a, that's a whole for another day um, and then last week I was in Austin Texas which was really fun uh, class I was in took a little field trip there um, cool city I'd never been to Texas before so that was cool but I'm back this is of course box to box everyone's favorite soccer show on KCOU 88.1 FM um, hope everyone is having a good Wednesday um, a good week the weather's finally getting nicer out in Columbia Missouri I'm very very excited for that Champions League we had games yesterday we have more games today um, I tweeted the other day, uh, Daylight Savings happened uh, over the weekend, and I said I was really excited because one of the main perks of Daylight Savings for me is that now the Champions League games um, are at three instead of two, and I have a class when they normally happen, so I can watch them <laughs> now after my class um, and whatnot. So that's a big dub for me. So I watched a little bit of Man United Atletico Madrid. We'll get into all that. Um, of course, we're back, and we're still back with the Bucks homer segment um, at the start of every show. Bucks in some good spirits right now. Uh, they beat the Jazz on the road for the first time since 2001. Uh, for those keeping track, that is 21 years. Uh, they beat the Jazz over the weekend, I think. Or it was on Monday, 117-111. to Big win for that. Main storyline of that game, Brooke Lopez, Splash Mountain. He's back. He's back. He played... He did not start in this game, but he played, let's see, 15 minutes, six points, a rebound, and an assist. So we love to see it from Brooke Lopez. He's a, he's a key piece for the Bucks going into the playoffs uh, and all that fun stuff. So I'm excited to see Brooke back, and it was a good win against the Jazz. And we'll see how we're getting to the tail end of the regular season now, so all these games matter. Uh, Bucks are in second now in the East, uh, two and a half games behind Miami for first place. Miami have had quite the season. Um, but yeah, fun stuff to see from the Bucks. Other news, sporting-wise, um, aside from soccer, it is one of my favorite times right now in sports. That, of course, being March Madness. Um, the men's and women's tournaments kick off 
uh, on Thursday. Should be super, super exciting. I'm bummed on the women's side, like I said, that Mizzou didn't make it in. Um, I'm putting all my faith in that tournament in Florida Gulf Coast, who, despite going like 28-2, and two, were given a 12 seed in the tournament, which I thought was disrespectful. So they have, they'll have a chip on their shoulder. Um, and on the men's side, I've just been making brackets. I love making brackets. I made a bracket for Box to Box, actually. We have a little bit of a um, KCOU show bracket uh, tournament challenge type of thing where we're all in a pool. So I'll, I'll show some highlights of that bracket just on the Box to Box side. You'd think, you know, being a soccer person, ooh, he might not know brackets. I don't know. How well will I do in this pool? I know my brackets. I know my college basketball. Um, I picked Arizona to win in that tournament. My final four, I'll just read the final four, is Arizona, Wisconsin, had to. Uh, and then on the other side, I have UCLA beating Duke. And then I have Arizona beating UCLA in the championship game. So we'll see how that goes. We're competing against some other great KCOU shows. You got Cup of Bro in there. Um you got the unwritten rule in the penalty box in there. Two just objectively great shows. Um, <laughs> no doubt about it. Starting left bench. Uh, the overthrow, which just made its return. Um, that's pretty cool. But yeah, a um, bunch of KCOU brackets to be had. And um, yeah, I guess that's enough waffling on my end for outside of, of soccer stuff. I guess we just have to dive right into it. So yeah, two weeks I've been gone. And we've missed a whole lot of news. It decided... You know, the game of soccer decided, oh, we're just going to blow up and have a bunch of crazy stuff happen the two weeks that, of course, I can't talk about them on my shows. Um, but, yeah, uh, the main thing we're going to talk about comes in London with the club Chelsea, of course. Um, they have had quite the tumultuous last couple of weeks. Um, they... <laughs> of course, for, for those that don't know, I, I don't even know where to start. It's tricky. Um, obviously, I talked um, about this on my show a couple weeks ago um, with the whole evolving situation in Russia and Ukraine. Um, you know, how that was impacting the footballing landscape, how, um, you know, fans and players are really coming together, allying around Ukrainian players. I wrote an article uh, just about the whole situation with all the sanctions um, that FIFA have now brought down and that they're not letting Russia compete in World Cup games. Um, the only Russian team left in any club European competition was Spartak Moscow. They were removed from uh, the, I believe it was the Europa Conference League. Um, they were going to play, or it might have been the Europa League. They were in a European competition. They got taken out. Um, and so it's it's been just quite a time. Everyone's really, really allied on uh, you know, with Ukraine and with a lot of those players. But that being said, obviously there's been actions outside of football that have impacted, you know, Russians across the globe and, and, and with, you know, all of these governments imposing sanctions and doing all of these things. I won't get into too much of it. I don't, I don't know, Paul, like, you know, I don't know the full details of all that, you know, myself. So I'll stay in my own lane for the most part here. But um, how it does impact the footballing world with Chelsea specifically. For those who don't know, Chelsea currently, or I guess used to now, uh, have an owner named Roman Abramovich, who is a, a Russian oligarch. Obviously, he's he owned, he bought the club, I believe, in 2002. He's owned the club forever. He's been a large reason for um, a lot of their success because he's pumped so much money into Chelsea. They've been able to get a lot of good players, um, have been able to finance um big moves and big signings and all that stuff. And, and they've, he's turned them into a European and English Premier League powerhouse. 
So, obviously, he's he's a Russian oligarch, um, and he has assets in England who are, of course, very against Russia at the moment with all that's going on. Essentially, the British government imposed sanctions on Mr. Abramovich. Um, to go back a little bit, a couple of weeks ago, Abramovich said he was, he was going to hand off um, his ownership or control of the club essentially to like the, the Chelsea board of directors. He wasn't going to have sole control and all that stuff. At first he was like, I'm not intending to sell the club. We're not gonna, I'm not going to sell. I'm keeping my stock in Chelsea. I care about this club. I'm invested in it. Um, he quickly moved later uh, when he realized that the British government was basically going to rain down on him that he was uh, most likely going to sell. Um, and he decided then, then and there he was going to put the club up for sale himself to avoid basically having it taken away from him. Um, so it's, they've kind of, the par British, British Parliament's kind of forced him to sell. Um, and then they imposed more formal sanctions recently on March 10th. So after Abramovich put the club up for sale, um, following the pressure to do so, um, they've put a bunch of sanctions on him and on Chelsea that have put Chelsea in some peril. So uh, basically the quote um, that I read in a New Yorker article was that Abramovich is associated with a person who has been involved in destabilizing Ukraine and undermining, threatening territorial integrity, sovereignty, and independence of Ukraine um, with Vladimir Putin, whom Abramovich has had a close relationship with for decades. So if, if essentially Abramovich is kind of in Putin's inner circle. There's a whole, you know, that relationship politically has now impacted Abramovich's stocks and investments on English soil. So he obviously not only owns Chelsea, but he has, you know, British, the British government's coming for all his assets. They want to seize his yachts, his houses. Um, he's invested in another company that like is rumored to have sold, um, like equipment and, and I think like steel to the Russian army. Um, so that's obviously not good. And Abramovich is essentially in trouble. He's having all of his assets seized or threatening to have his assets seized. And Chelsea of course is his biggest one. That's kind of his, his crown jewel in terms of how he's invested on English soil, which is obviously really fascinating because now Chelsea have gone from this club where for those who don't remember this team won the champions league this year, they are, world champions as far as it goes on the club stage. They're in a, they were in a really good place. They're obviously, you know, competing at a high level in the Premier League right now. Um, you know, want to be challenging for Champions League places. And now they have this that has just blindsided them. I mean, not necessarily blindsided them, more so that it's, uh-oh, you know, our, our owners are, are in, our owner is in, is in big trouble. And now as a result, our club is in a big, is in big trouble. So, a lot of things have happened. Um, a lot's gone on. There was so much that that really hit the fan recently. Where like Chelsea sponsorship, which is a company just called Three. If you know on their on their jerseys, they have the, just the just the number three. That's the logo of the company. They decided to pull out um, of sponsoring the club. There was a rumor that apparently before um, Chelsea's game against North City, which they did win, by the way. Um, Props to them. That was on that was on March 10th when all these sanctions hit. There was rumors that they were sending like an assistant, like equipment manager, to go buy like blank blue jerseys that they were gonna have to wear because they were at the game when all this went down and they weren't gonna be allowed to wear jerseys with the three logo on them. That didn't happen. They just wore their regular jerseys. Um, but Chelsea have a apply for special licensing to keep them afloat as a club uh, financially. 
Uh, there's been rumors of points deductions, which is a pretty common thing. Not, or well, it's not common thing. I guess it doesn't happen all the time, but like when an English club gets punished, it's usually with a, a points deduction, which essentially means um, usually when it happens, it's before a season starts. So a club will have points taken away from them. So like a team could start the season with negative six points because they were given a points deduction and now can't that that was a punishment of them being in financial trouble. So like if a team can't support themselves financially, the league will say, okay, you guys can stick around as a club, but you're getting a points deduction. You have to start with, with less points than everybody, which is a very, very, it doesn't sound harsh. It's very bad because you think about six points in the grand scheme of a season. That's a lot to make up on the back end, especially in a league like the premier league where, you know, you're looking at teams that only have two or three losses all season at the top. Like, you're asking those teams to lose an additional two or three games in order to catch up to them. That's bad news, especially for a big club like Chelsea. So there's been that as a rumor. I don't think that's been made official yet. Um, and yeah, just, you know, looking at this article, um, Stamford Bridge, where Chelsea, Chelsea Stadium, uh, the merchandise store closed. It went offline. The club's credit cards were suspended. So there was rumors that they couldn't pay for gas for their bus to travel anywhere. Um, that was kind of funny on Twitter. There were some, some people making fun of that. Ticket sales ceased, which essentially meant that if you uh, hadn't purchased tickets yet for any matches after uh, that March 10th date for that game against Norwich, you weren't going to be allowed to. The only people that can keep their tickets are season ticket holders and anyone that, let's say you bought a single game ticket for a game in May. You can keep that ticket, obviously, but they weren't allowed to buy any more tickets. Um and yeah, so the whole explanation was the government granted a special license for Chelsea to finish its schedule for the rest of the season, um, basically to not harm competitions for other teams. So like, uh, they're in the FA Cup still, I believe. Actually, they might not be. I have to check. Hold on. I might. I, they might have lost. I know that the FA Cup's been weird this year. Um, but Oh, they are in the FA Cup. They have a game this Saturday in the FA Cup. They, of course, are still in the Champions League. They have a game today against Lille. Um, so they're still, the government's essentially still allowing them to play in that. Um but they capped its spending uh, to travel to away matches and stuff. So I believe it's like 160,000. I could, be, I could have that figure completely wrong. I saw it a couple of days ago. They can only spend up to a certain figure on road travel costs. So it's like, it's almost like they've been relegated to like a college team, you know, at like the division three level that has just like a tiny athletics budget and can only spend a certain amount of money to have their players stay in hotels, have their players travel by certain modes of transportation, um, all that stuff. All that stuff's been frozen. All that stuff's been set by the government. Um, oh, it is in here. So in this New Yorker article, it says um, they capped their spending on traveling and hosting matches to 20,000 uh, pounds. Oh, wait, 20,000 pounds for traveling. And nine hundred thousand pounds for hosting, because it obviously costs a lot to to operate stadiums and stuff on a daily basis. Um, so it's pretty crazy. Um, they then played, of course, a home match against Norwich City. There was a lot of signs, you know, that that clubs are angry about this. They want Chelsea to be left alone. Um, you know, it, it's not the fans' fault that they have a Russian owner who has these ties, like, and all this stuff. It's crazy. Uh, it's it's something I've never seen before. It's something I'm just kind of like learning what all of this stuff is and really what goes into funding a Premier League club and, and how that can be 
so thrown out of whack even for some of the biggest clubs like Chelsea because like part of me I'm going through this thinking I'm like well it's Chelsea you know they're a big club they'll they'll weed their way out of it and it'll be fine but the way a lot of pundits and people I was listening to are making it seem was like no they're they're in deep deep trouble uh with this with this um with this whole Roman Abramovich Chelsea situation now um there is news recently, I think literally as of today, on the buying front for Chelsea. Um, so obviously they're up for sale. They can be bought. Roman Abramovich is going to lose a whole ton of money on them because obviously if you're a prospective buyer of Chelsea Football Club, you're saying, okay, um, you know, I want to buy Chelsea. I know Abramovich has to sell. I'm not going to pay, you know, definitely not more than what he paid for him. Like, you're not, you're not going to, obviously, that makes sense. But uh, there is a Sky Sports article that apparently the Chicago Cubs owners and then Citadel billionaire Ken Griffin are apparently teaming up to buy Chelsea. So this article basically says um, the Ricketts family who own the Cubs, um, who are long-term admirers of Chelsea, uh, formed in, and then Mr. and then Mr. Griffin, who has the Citadel Fund. Um, that's a big hedge fund tycoon. Money is confusing. I don't know really what it is, but hedge fund. He has a lot of money. <laughs> um, they formed an investment group that apparently will launch a former or a formal offer to last season's Champions League winners on Friday, um, which is when the deadline is set for bids to be placed in. Um, and yeah, basically they're saying it presents a formidable. Um, competitor to other rival bidders as Roman Abramovich's tenure at Chelsea dies um, and, and leads to just a resounding conclusion. So yeah, sorry, it was 19 years, not 22. I think I said 22 before. Um, he's been invested in Chelsea for as long as I've been alive. So it's been, it'll be really interesting to see where they move forward and, and finding a new home for Chelsea. Um, Apparently, the bid said Ricketts' record of success with the Chicago Cubs and the financial uh, firepower of their consortium would make it an ideal rep recipe for success at Stamford Bridge. Obviously, um, the Cubs, there's, there's definitely other people who I know that can speak to how well they've operated that baseball club better than I can. I know they won a World Series uh, in 2016. Um, the last, just, just to also round up Abramovich's success at Chelsea. The last six years have been some of the most successful in the club's history. Oh, no, this is for the Cubs. So this this is their argument for the Cubs owners. Um, they won a World Series uh, and apparently completed a $1 billion renovation of Wrigley Field, um, which is obviously a very old and iconic sports venue, so that's notable there. Um, with It also said that was apparently the largest privately funded stadium restoration project in U.S. history. So Seems like they care at least a lot about the Cubs. I don't know how well that'll translate to toning a, a European soccer team um, and all that stuff. But yeah, seems like there are people that want to buy the club and that and that might be able to save the club from what would be financial ruin otherwise with these sanctions. The other thing I forgot to get into, which is really, really interesting, um, is Chelsea heading into this summer, of course, this summer being the summer transfer period where teams can buy and sell players and make new moves and signings. They're not allowed to buy or sell anybody. They're not allowed to negotiate new contracts. They have a couple expiring contracts. Um, I think Andreas Christensen is one. 
Tiago Silva might be another one. They don't have a ton, luckily for them, but you know they're not allowed to pay players right now. Some of the players have actually stepped up and said, we'll help kind of fund some of the day-to-day club operations, which one thing I'd like to see um, that would be really impressive if players can do, and I'll have to look this up if any of this action has happened yet, is I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here. I did a, I did a story recently um, about the MLB lockout which obviously isn't happening anymore. It got, they finally made an agreement, which is great. Baseball's back. Um, but one thing I'm curious to see is how this is going to affect, you know, a salary for a stadium worker at Stamford Bridge, how this is going to affect a security officer who, you know, might be a regular police officer and then work as a security officer for Chelsea on the side. Um, how is this going to affect their salary? And, you know, maybe some of the players say, hey, look, we're going to pay these people's contracts out because we're still dedicated to playing for this club. Um, and we care a lot about these people who help this club run on a day-to-day basis that aren't our former rich Russian owner. I think that would be really, really impressive to see. Um, I'm curious to see just how the players' responses go forward because this could go really, really really badly really quickly if all these players are saying pay me pay me pay me or let me leave because then you're seeing like a mass exodus if if they don't get a new owner in if they don't get some sort of stabilization into they're in a rocky rocky situation and in a situation that comes at a time where they are challenging for a top four spot in the Premier league not even challenging they're in third right now they're they're in a precarious position in the league they obviously have champions league to worry about they're still in the fa cup this is a team with a lot on its on the line this season and now you throw all this in the mix. I, I pity the players that are just like, man, you know, we're just going to have to come out and keep doing our jobs. I think it could be quite the success story if all of a sudden Chelsea repeat as champions in the Champions League after all this happened. I mean, they certainly have the talent to do it. That's a different conversation. But I'm really curious to see how this is affecting, you know, day-to-day workers at the stadium, like people who very much have stock in this that are not named Roman Abramovich losing you know, his billion dollar investment. Um, I'm really, really curious. It's, it's a whole mess. Um, yeah, just, you know, this article I'm looking at just goes in a little bit more, um, a little bit more into some of the other bids and stuff. Um, this is pretty interesting. There apparently these, some other bidders are looking to join forces, um, with lifelong, Chelsea fan and like property developer, central London property developer, Nick Candy, great name, by the way, the, the, the contract is, or the, not contract, the headline just says, rival bidders want to work with Candy. It's like, oh, Willy Wonka type vibes. Maybe that, maybe they'll get sponsored by, by Hershey's. That'd be kind of fun. Would apply to Christian Pulisic, who of course plays for Chelsea. He's from Hershey, Pennsylvania. Maybe he'd, he'd be, he'd be all for that. That's a total tangent, but yeah, it's just a crazy situation. I, uh, I'm so excited to see what goes forward. I, I want to keep reading about it and keep, you know, everyone updated here on Box to Box with Chelsea. And if, if this ends up affecting some of their games, you know, we saw them play against Norwich. They won. Obviously, Norwich aren't very good. Uh, but we'll just have to see. It's going to be a, uh, a crazy, crazy time for Chelsea Football Club, for fans of Chelsea um, going forward. I think, you know, that's probably all I can... Uh, I can probably discuss on it right now. Um, this does this also the article also does mention that the UK government has suggested that Chelsea could start selling match tickets through a third party organization if they get past the sanctions 
uh, placed under Abramovich. So they can't sell tech tickets through him because the whole point of it, I don't even think I mentioned the whole point of why they're cutting all this stuff off, is because all that money goes to Abramovich right now because they don't have new owners. So the government, any sanctions they do against Abramovich means they're saying Abramovich can't make any money in England, can't make any English money. So Chelsea can't make any English money because that money indirectly or directly will go to Abramovich in some form, regardless of how small it is. They don't want a penny going to him. It's really strict. So I'm I'm curious to see. They're going to want to get these new owners in quickly, which another thing, like, ownership is a, a tricky thing. You know, you don't want to just rush into anything like that where you're just entrusting some person to come in and say, you know, I can guide this club in the right direction, especially a club who has been having a lot of recent success like Chelsea. You don't, you don't want to just rush into that decision, right? Like you want someone who you can trust, who you've sat down and they've laid out a, at least a five-year plan or something. You know, I'm no, I'm no rich <laughs> billionaire person myself. I don't know the first thing about owning a football club, but I think if I'm evaluating someone who wants to, I would say, you know, look, I want to hear what your plans are. Um, so it might be scary with this, with this consortium that they're looking at with the Cubs owners and with Ken Griffin do, are they the right people for the job? I don't know. And Chelsea might not have a choice because they might be able to kind of use that as leverage and say, well, look, I don't really care. We don't really care that we might not be the right people for the job. We know you guys need an owner to keep functioning. We want to buy them. Let us do it. You know, it, it could lead to a kind of a bad situation. Um, last point I want to make. I think this is a really um, shining example to other clubs that have – ownership that has been, I'll say, called into question. Um, I'm thinking clubs like, I mean, even with Liverpool, with John Henry, but that's more because John Henry is just a bonehead sometimes. Um, but I'm talking clubs like City, clubs recently like Newcastle, who are getting a bunch of money from who knows where. Um, you know, we saw how quickly City have pumped cash into their club and how that's led to success. Um trying to think of other clubs kind of around the globe. Um, you don't really see it in Germany with their whole 50 plus one rule, but I almost let this serve as a warning sign to them, uh, you know, in terms of a first impression that I get from this Abramovich situation is you got ownership that has money that you kind of like might be a little shady. They all of a sudden get involved in something out completely outside of football is what is what's gotten Abramovich in trouble. Now, all of a sudden, that affects your club so much, and that, and that big money you know, can get ripped away at the drop of a hat because of, of ownership's involvement with, with other interests. So, I, I mean, I think other clubs are looking at that and saying, wow, we're really going to evaluate who our ownership is going forward and all that stuff. I just think it's, a, it's an interesting thing to look at. Crazy, crazy times. And people say politics aren't in sport. To those people, I say, you're incorrect. Look at this as an example. There you go. Um, that's Chelsea. They're a mess. It's kind of funny. Well, it's not funny. It's bad. But, um, yeah, I'll take it to a quick break now, I think. When we come back, we're going to talk a little, even a little bit more about Chelsea because they have a game today, big game in the Champions League and other clubs as well with European football. In full swing, Champions League round of 16, we're going to recap the matches yesterday, talk about the matches today. Um, and then I'm going to be a little bit of a homer. I'll get into that when I get back. Uh, stay tuned. You're listening to Box to Box. It's currently 1127 Central Standard Time here in Columbia, Missouri. We will be right back. Indoor baseball, anyone? 
Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. My name's Chase Madison. And I'm Luke Magnanti. And we are Cup of Bro. A sports radio talk show right here on KCLU 88.1 FM. Join us at 11 a.m. on Fridays for some fun sports talk. Featuring our bro segment, where we talk about everything that happens off the field. And drink a little bit of coffee, too. So be sure to tune in to see what we got brewing up. Everyone has their favorite moment in sports. The NBA Finals. The Super Bowl. The penalty box on KCOU 88.1 FM. Wait. What? You heard me right. Join me, Peter Camp, and my co-host, Jack Knowlton, on Thursdays at 4 p.m. as we talk about news surrounding college sports, the NBA, and the NFL. And don't forget everyone's favorite segment, The Penalty Box, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Come join the fun. Welcome, welcome back, everybody, to Box to Box here on KCOU 88.1 FM. We're back talking, well, we talked Chelsea for a long, long time, um, and now we're going to talk some fun Champions League stuff, because, of course, um, the Champions League is in full swing. There were games yesterday. Um, like I mentioned with my Daylight Savings tweet, I'm very hyped because I can watch a lot more now with, uh, with, the, whole, with the whole them starting technically an hour later um, for me, but... There were some fun games, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back even further because obviously I've missed the last couple of weeks uh, and talk about uh, a few previous games that happened and, you know, what to expect from today's second legs. Of course, today in action at three, we have Juventus and Villarreal, their second leg, and as I mentioned, Chelsea at home um, against Lille uh, in the Champions League. I think they're at home. Maybe that's a way. Google does it different sometimes, where I think the bottom team is home, and they might not be home. I'll have to check. Let's see. I think they are... No, they're away. They were at home in their first game. So it is in France. But uh, So Chelsea only have uh, $20,000 to travel to France. Uh, that, that, I remember, was another thing. It put their game against Lille in question. They were like, um, are we going to be able to travel? I don't know. Um, but yes, we are back. Games yesterday. We'll start with those second legs between Man United and Atletico Madrid and Ajax and Benfica. Man United really making me look bad on the Twitter sphere. Uh, over the weekend, they beat Tottenham 3-2. Cristiano Ronaldo looked like the Cristiano Ronaldo we all know and love. He scored a hat trick in, this, in that game um, to grab all three points for Man United in the Premier League. I thought, all right, hat trick in the league. Cristiano Ronaldo is Mr. Champions League. He does it all. We're going to be fine. They're going to hop in at home to Atletico into this game and cruise to a nice win. They're tied. They were tied 1-1 on aggregate coming in. They're going to grab a nice 2-0 win. You know, cushion victory. Easy does it. Advance in the round of eight. Diego Simeone, Atletico's manager, had much, uh, many other plans, uh, as I cruelly found out. Um, and I realized I should never bet on Manchester United ever, ever again. They came in to Old Trafford, to Manchester, and got the 1-0 win. Um, Atletico Madrid 
came in and now they advance to the last eight of the Champions League. They came in wearing their super clean, I remarked on this, they have super clean light blue jerseys where the side, the stripe they have on the side is like a candy cane pattern. It's very cool. Um, came in, won this game 1-0. One, one Stats, Man United dominated possession. Um, this game kind of reflected on XG, a 1-0 win to United. They had 11 total shots, uh, got five on target. Atletico Madrid, eight total shots themselves, getting three on target. So Atletico Madrid just taking advantage of their chances. Man United's pass accuracy was better. Um, you know, Atletico Madrid committed less fouls. Man United were, were a bit more aggressive. Like I said, they won the XG battle, but Atletico Madrid hung around. They did enough. Their defense was sound, as it always is, under Diego Simeone. Player of the match was, of course, their goalkeeper, Jan Oblak, one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Uh, 8.7 match rating, made five saves in this game. Um, his expected goals faced, so like how many goals he was expected to allow in, essentially, um, was 1.27. So he should have conceded in this game, but he absolutely clutched up for Atletico Madrid in this one. He played super, super well, um, had a couple diving saves. It was... He was he was very impressive. He is he goes so under the radar, which I don't understand why. And it's like as under a radar, as under the radar as like a top three goalie in the world can go. But like he he I feel like just gets just no he gets no love for some reason. And he consistently balls out for them. Goal scorer for Atletico Madrid was 23-year-old left mid Renan Lodi. Um he was also the most fouled player in this game. He was getting that ball on the left wing, trying to spring past the Manchester United defense. Uh they had Diego Dallo at right back playing for them. He got a yellow card in this game. Lodi was frustrating the defenses um, all day long. Antoine Griezmann, who, of course, previously played for Atletico, but before moving to Barca, and now he's back, uh, also had a good game in this in this one. He had three total tackles. He was pressing really well for a springing center forward. He played 89 minutes, uh, had two key passes, got the assist to Lodi's goal, um, and it was just a sound performance from Atletico. On the United front, just kind of disappointing. They didn't, um, they just kind of looked a step behind, which especially on a European night at Old Trafford, you would not expect. Uh, but they they really did just look a step behind. They started uh, 19-year-old Anthony Alanga, who they've started to really, really like, uh, Swedish winger there, along with Bruno Fernandes, Jaden Sancho, and Ronaldo in a bit of a forward line for them. Harry Maguire got a 7.4 match rating in this game um, and completed 69 passes, which was the most in the match, but he did not look good. He had one, I remember, him and David De Gea, Man United's goalkeeper, looked super off uh, off sync, if you will. Um, he had one pass where he played it back to De Gea, and De Gea was not expecting it and had a horrible clearance that led to a Griezmann shot that De Gea had to make a pretty good save uh, to keep out. So just disconnected at the back, a completely flip-flop performance from... Man United, Man United's game on the weekend against Tottenham, and that was something I noted as a theme, like, that just happens with Man United, they seem to, like, one day show up, show out, they beat Tottenham 3-2, and a huge win for them in terms of getting European places, United are up to fifth in the Premier League, while Tottenham lingered down in eighth, five points behind United, um, but before that, they lost 4-1 to City, which it is City, to be fair, um, Tied Atletico Madrid in the Champions League before that. Had two wins in the Premier League on the bounce. Before that, they had a bunch of 1-1 draws. Then they go out and lay this egg against Atletico Madrid. Who knows what's going to happen now against Leicester uh, at home in 17 days. What team's going to show up? They'll probably win 5-0 in a little bit of a revenge game. So they 
They have not been able to find super consistent form uh, under Ralph Ragnick, who I do think is a good coach. Uh, but I think Atletico Madrid just kind of outcoached him. Diego Simeone just works absolute magic. The 51-year-old coach has been with Atletico Madrid since 2011, really given that team an identity. Um, he's won... He won the Champions League once. He's been to two finals. I think he won one of them um, for the Champions League. But just really well-coached team, um, well-drilled. They have an experienced uh, defense. They signed uh, the head. So, fun fact, Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo in this game, was going up against uh, Mozambique center back Ronaldo, or Renildo, R-E-I-N-I-L-D-O. Kind of fun. Um, it was Ronaldo against Renildo. Um, in attack and defense, they had him, um, Stefan Savage, who's 31 years old, and then uh, Jose Maria Jimenez from Uruguay, um, playing just in front of All Black and Goal. That defense is really, really hard to beat on its day. Another player that I thought looked really impressive was uh, he played right mid in this game, Marcos Llorente, 27 year old Spaniard, had the most tackles in this match with three. He was spraying some really nice passes. He had one at the very end that he switched to Lodi that like kind of iced the game. Man United were pressing Atleti were kind of pinned just inside their own half, and then Llorente just got the ball in one touch, just sprayed it to the other wing and completely opened the game back up, which was really impressive. Not Lodi, Llorente. Um, it was a great pass. I think I think he's really talented. He's in his prime right now, obviously, with Atleti, so he's someone they'll want to keep around. And yeah, going forward, um, they will obviously... Got themselves in the round of eight draw. The interesting thing, of course, about the Champions League is the fact that we are almost done with the fixtures. We don't know who every team's going to play yet because um, it's a, it's it's made as a draw. So the eight teams that win get put in a in another draw, and then the matches get drawn out um, with those eight teams. But yeah, very very impressive stuff from Atletico Madrid. Next game we'll move or next uh, matchup we'll move into. I should say. Um, was saw Benfica defeating Ajax 3-2 on aggregate to move into the last uh, round of eight themselves. Benfica won 1-0, I think, away from home. Let's, let me make sure. Where was this game? Someone tell me. It was... No, it was away at the Johan Cruyff Arena in Amsterdam. Um, so they won on the road. That was a big win for Benfica uh, to take a 3-2 win on aggregate their first match in Portugal was tied 2-2 um goal scorer was 22 year old Uruguayan Darwin Nunes who a lot of teams really really like there's a lot of bids in for him uh over the summer 22 appearances in Portugal so far in the Liga Portugal 20 goals and two assists he started just 19 times as well so 19 starts and 20 goals that's insanely impressive for uh Nunes and he's definitely going to get a big move this summer Player of the match, however, went to 26-year-old Spanish left-back Alex Grimaldo. He had an 8.3 match rating, played all 90 minutes in this game, got the assist to Darwin Nunez's goal, was also 15 for 17 on passes, 88%. That's really great. Um, he, he's a very much a marauding left-back. He can bomb up the flanks, um, you know, just play super well in attack. I was really, really impressed with Grimaldo's play in this game. And then Ajax just did not show up. Andre Onana, their goalkeeper from Cameroon, who I believe is moving to Inter after the season is out, um, he had a big error that led to Nunez's goal. Um, only kind of 4.3 match rating on the day. That's really, really tough. It's, it's you know, a goalkeeper, it's a, a hit or miss job. You're not going to, you know, you're, you're not, you can't rely a ton on your other teammates because you're doing something so unique in every single game. But Ajax 
Very disappointing Champions League run for them. Um, they outpossessioned Benfica 69 to 31. So dominated possession, had more, had way more passes than them. Benfica completed just 180 accurate passes in this game, 65%. Ajax, 503 passes. So they were absolutely knocking it around in possession. Just goes to show you, possession does not mean everything. With that possession, however, I mean, Ajax did generate 16 total shots, but they only got two of those on target, so they weren't really creating good chances. Benfica, however, created just four shots, but had one on target, of course, the one that ended up being the, the goal and the match winner. Yeah, just really, really disappointing from Ajax to, to have such dominant possession and yet to come out with the loss, especially at home. You want to win those home games. Get yourselves in the last eight. So from yesterday, Atletico Madrid and Benfica moving into the last eight. Uh, games today, I guess I'll just real quick ra uh, recap the other games um, from the last couple weeks that were that were the, the legs finished last week. Liverpool advanced past Inter Milan despite a loss at home on March 8th. Liverpool played Inter and lost 1-0 at home, but they beat them 2-0 on the away fixture. Uh, and because... Away goals, which is usually the tiebreaker, how many goals you score on the road, um, isn't a factor anymore. Liverpool managed to advance. Actually, that's not why. Hold up, because Liverpool scored two goals on the road, so they were always going to advance. They advanced 2-1 on aggregate over Inter. Bayern Munich, oh my goodness. They made me look really, really foolish on Twitter. Um, they, of course, tied RB Salzburg from Austria in their first like 1-1 and then went out in their second game at home in the Allianz Arena and won seven to one to advance um, eight to two on aggregate over Aubrey Salzburg. It was an absolute dominant performance um, by Bayern Munich. Robert Lewandowski a hat trick. Two of them were penalties. He got an assist as well. Leroy Sané playing behind him on that uh, left wing spot had two assists and a goal. Thomas Muller grabbed two goals himself. Very experienced attacking midfielder. And Serge Gnabry got himself a goal. Uh, as well. So Bayern Munich ran a riot in Germany to make that tie not even close. Uh, Man City advanced as well to the last eight. Uh, Sporting Portugal actually played them to a nil-nil draw uh, in England, which was pretty impressive, in the Etihad Stadium. However, Man United won the first game 5 nothing in Portugal, so they advanced uh, pretty easily there. And then the story of the tournament, the shocking turnaround in Real, or in Madrid between PSG and Real Madrid. This was the best tie of the turn of the tournament so far, I think. Uh, PSG, of course, threw a 90th minute winner in Kylian Mbappe in Paris, gave them a one nil uh, lead heading into the second game. They scored to make it two nothing in the 30th and 39th minute in this game in the Bernabeu again with Mbappe, and then Karim Benzema, the French center forward, so so good. He's 34 years old. He balled out. He scored a hat trick to completely turned the tie around for Real Madrid, winning them the tie 3-2 on aggregate and stunning PSG, sending them crashing out of the tournament, and Real Madrid got to advance. Crazy, crazy stuff there between Real Madrid and Paris. Tied the tournament. So, of course, we have City, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Liverpool, Atletico Madrid, and Benfica. Six of our last eight teams. The other games are set to be decided today. That is between Villarreal and Juventus. Uh, they played to a 1-1 draw on February 22nd. They play again today in Spain uh, to decide. Or in, is it in Turin? I keep getting these wrong. 
It is in Turin. Sorry. It's in Turin. Um, and then Lille and Chelsea, of course. Uh, Chelsea won the first game in London 2-0. They play again today in France to decide their tie. I think despite the sanctions, Chelsea will be okay. They can just hold Lille to a 0-0 draw in advance. Juventus Villarreal is an interesting one. Juventus kind of having a disappointing season. They obviously lost American uh, defensive midfielder Weston McKinney in the first leg, um, which bummer for the U.S., by the way, because they have a couple big World Cup qualifying games they don't have McKinney for now. Fourth place in, in Italy. They are at home for this game, which I think just will give them the edge to get like a 1-0 win. But Villarreal, man, I want Villarreal to advance. Their nickname is the Yellow Submarine. We love that um, for Villarreal. Having a pretty good season in Spain. They are in seventh place, um, which isn't great. Kind of built on a good offense. Um, they've scored 48 goals in the in La Liga, which is good for, I think, like the fifth or sixth best. Um, but they do have seven defeats to their name. So it would be good for them to advance in the last eight of the Champions League. We'll have to see, though, how those ties go. I'll have a little prediction on Twitter shortly after this show is done. Follow me on Twitter, by the way, at box to box No, sorry, I don't have a Twitter for this show. What am I talking about? Uh, I have Twitter for my other shows. It's just at box to box I really just made up a Twitter on the spot. That was kind of funny. Um, I think it's just at jnolton underscore media. I should really know that for all the uh, box to box tweets. Um, yeah, Champions League's been crazy. It's been super fun to watch. Um, and yeah, I'm going to take it to another quick break when we come back. I'm going to talk a little bit of the Premier League games, some midweek Premier League games we can talk about today. Um, kind of fun stuff. I'll talk about Liverpool Arsenal and Brighton Tottenham, I believe as well. Yes. Uh, when we come back here on box to box, stay tuned. The Army National Guard plays a vital role in your community. We're on the front lines supporting essential personnel, first responders, law enforcement, and medical professionals, delivering food, supplies, and medicine, keeping communities safe, making a difference. During emergencies, we're always ready, always there. Learn more about part-time service in the Army National Guard at nationalguard.com. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association at this station. Preferred Walk-Ons, Mizzou's most insightful sports talk from your favorite bench warmers, is now available to listen anytime, anywhere. After every Friday's show with Ben Krakow, Chase Phillips, and Garrett Jones, we post a podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Anchor Podcast app, and anywhere else you get podcasts. We're also on Twitter, at KCOU Walk-Ons. End your week with Preferred Walk-Ons, a part of KCOU Sports, and now streaming. All across the nation, we are here for our communities. We're doing our part to get supplies where it's needed in order to fight COVID-19 together. It feels good to be out there to assist our community. I would like our friends and family to know that your National Guardsmen are always ready and always there. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association and this station.
Welcome, welcome back, everybody, to Box to Box here in KCOU 88.1 FM. We just got done talking about some Champions League stuff. My name is Jack Knowlton. Hope everyone is having a fantastic Wednesday. Enjoying some strokes. I went big time on the strokes on this show, as I love to do. It's just it's just a common theme of mine. They are a favorite band of mine. Um, you know the vibes. I'll play I'll play FIFA songs next week. I, I rushed from class because we were doing a, like an exam prep, and I didn't get out till like two minutes late. So I was like, ah, i got to book it down here and... and Set up the show, and I didn't have time to set up the aux. But it is what it is. That's why we have the old, uh, the old mega the old mega seg music. Um, yeah, just to wrap up the show in these last couple of minutes here, um, I'm gonna talk a little bit of Premier League. I'm gonna totally be a homer for a little bit because I do want to talk about this Liverpool Arsenal game that is going on today at 3:15 in just a couple of hours. It's a big one. It's a big one, and I will tell you for why. Because Manchester City, for the first time pretty much all season, have slipped up, um, other than their game against Tottenham a couple weeks ago. City, on Monday, went out and drew with Crystal Palace. That was a huge, huge result in the Premier League title race. That means City moved up to just 70 points. Um, Not just 70 points. That is the most points in the league. They moved up just one point to 70 points. Um which is, of course, has big, big impacts with Liverpool hot on their tail at 66 points. Meaning, if Liverpool can get the win today against Arsenal, who will no doubt be hungry to play spoilers, they're in fourth themselves. They have all to play for in terms of keeping themselves firmly in that Champions League spot ahead of Man United, uh, who are in that fifth-place Europa League spot. Liverpool move just one move within just one point of City even on games. So City, just the full the full breakdown. City in first, 29 games played, 22 wins, 4 draws, 3 losses uh, on 70 points. Liverpool, um, 20 points, or not 20 points, 28 games, 20 wins, 6 draws, 2 losses, 66 points. If they win, they'll move up to 69 points. They have a better goal differential than Man City. Barely, it's not by much. Um... If they win, say, 1-0 today, they'll have a plus-54 goal differential. City have plus-50. That is, of course, the tiebreaker um, in a title race. This is totally bad trivia on my part. I have no idea if a title race has ever come down to goal differential. I want to say... No, I'm not going to guess. I'm not going to speculate. But yeah, big game against Arsenal for Liverpool in this one. Arsenal, like I said, are tough to beat at home. Um, they themselves are, have played just 26 games. Uh, they're one of those teams that have, are going to benefit on the back end from missing a lot of games with COVID scares earlier in the season uh, on 51 points. So if they get, you know, three wins in a row, they're, they're looking at maybe catching Chelsea in third, who are on 59 points, um, are Arsenal. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting, an interesting game today. Liverpool, at this time, I was talking to some people. I worry about them in March a lot. Um, When they lost to Inter a couple weeks ago, it was like the first time they had lost at home since like exactly a year before that. And then their first loss at home before that loss was a year before that one. So they love losing at this time of the year. Uh, Liverpool hate early in mid-March. We'll have to see. I'm... I'm scared for this game. It's also just a big game, which, like, Liverpool will go out and win all of their games, but just the three that matter, just tie or lose. I, I'm a little worried uh, as a fan 
Arsenal are are no joke this season for sure. They really have seemed to find an identity uh, for themselves under Mikel Arteta. I really like a lot of the players. Martin Odegaard, uh, the young Norwegian who they signed from Real Madrid, has really looked like he's found his future club home. Um, ever since they've moved on from Aubameyang, who was the captain, left the side, went to Barcelona with he just had you know a lot of off the off the field problems, disagreements with management, all that fun stuff. They've looked so much better. Lacazette's played well at striker. I love Bakayu Saka, the 20-year-old Englishman. Um, he's looked great. Kieran Tierney at left back for them has looked awesome. Aaron Ramsdale, their goalkeeper, has played above what I thought he could do. They look pretty good. Now, they, they need to make probably some more moves if they really want to get up there to title challengers, but they've found their, their form and their groove back in their place in and amongst the European places. Do I put them in the realm of a city, Liverpool, and maybe you throw Chelsea in there? Probably not yet. They're probably just, just in that tier below, but that tier below is still a step up uh, for Arsenal, I think, and, and fans will be excited for them. So this will be a crazy game, big game, a lot of big implications. We'll have to see. It is, of course, at the Emirates in London, tough place to play, huge stadium. Um, the hype will be all too real there for Liverpool versus Arsenal. Brighton and Tottenham, uh, another game today. That's at 2.30. Tottenham will want to bounce back from their loss to United on the road. They're down in eighth um, behind Wolves and West Ham in seventh and sixth, who are also on the outside looking in of those European places. All of them are chasing United in fifth. That being said, Tottenham have played just 27 games themselves, so um, this is one of those games. The reason it's played midweek is because it's a makeup game uh, for missing Games getting canceled because they had we're dealing with COVID stuff and, and whatnot. So Tottenham have a big game to play themselves against Brighton. If they win, they'll be on 48 points. They'll be tied with West Ham in sixth place. Just looking outside of those those European spots. Um, yeah, uh, just an interesting time in the Premier League. Uh, the England Women's Super League is also in action today. There's some some big games there. Chelsea in action against Everton. Chelsea in second. Everton down in ninth trying to stave off relegation, as are the Everton men's team at this point. Uh, Manchester City women's squad in a mid-table clash against Reading. Uh, Reading FC. Um, City are in fifth. Reading in seventh. And then West Ham United and Man United playing each other. Man United uh, are in the Champions League qualifying spots uh, for the Women's Super League right now. Those That league... Um, there's 12 teams. First place gets an automatic Champions League qualifying spot. The second two um, get qualification spots where they have to they have to play a team from another league in order to qualify. Uh, right now, those spots belong to Chelsea in second and then United in third. But Tottenham right on their tails um, with 28 points. So Tottenham will want to get that win or want to get a win in their next game and are, are going to be big West Ham supporters today, hoping they can they can knock off United and Tottenham will have a chance to, to leapfrog them. Um, I definitely, I got to, I got to talk about the women's super league more. There's some, there's some big names in there. I know I did a whole deep dive, um, a while back. I need to, I need to keep more up to date with it and I will do, but yeah. Um, oh gosh, looking at the standings last place in the uh, women's super league is Birmingham FC. Uh, for context, 11th place, second to last is Leicester city who have 12 points, four wins, 13 losses. That's, Tough season for them. Birmingham and last have one win, one tie, and 15 losses. Not been a good season in Birmingham. They'll have to, they'll probably, they'll have to look to a little bit of a, a rebuild in the in the in the championship and, and try and get their way back up. But um, yeah, I mean that'll pretty much do it for me. Some just fun games all around. There's a Bundesliga game today as well. Mines and Dortmund in a midweek clash. 
Um, I know I promised a La Liga breakdown. I'm going to give it to y'all next week. I promise I'll have more time to prep um, back from travel and stuff. But, yeah, hope everyone enjoyed the show this week. We'll see what happens with Chelsea. Everyone go fill out your March Madness brackets. It's fun. Um, I try and do like fifth, literally like 50 of them. I love March Madness. Um, and watch the Champions League games today. Hope everyone enjoyed. Uh, that's going to do it for me here on BoxBox. I've been Jack Noel. I'll be back same time, same place. Take care, everybody. Shadows dream.